Welcome to Life Skills 101, Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North build a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Nearing, is a homeschooler with five kids who was homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Nearing, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Neering. Hey everybody, it is Lisa Neering from True North Homeschool Academy, and I am here with another episode of Life Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age, and I am super excited to have Tamara Poole here with us today. Hey Tamara. Hi. Tamara is one of our teachers at True North Homeschool Academy. She does a lot of lit and comp. She teaches um, psychology and other classes. She's led a book study all summer, crafting a rule of life. And um, she is one of those teachers that your kids need to have in, in their life. Um, she gives great feedback. She asks fascinating questions and, um, and really knows how to direct kids to understand deep and difficult issues very well. We get comments and questions all the time, like how do you teach your kids classically and still take a delight directed kind of mode to learning? And so I'm I'm glad you're here to answer that question because I get that all the time. For years, I used to say I was a, a classical unschooler because um, I love the writings of John Holt and some of his ideas and trying to marry that with classical pedagogy. Um, but I think that just confuses people. <laughs> So I like this idea of classical education with the light-directed education. And you have three kids who have very different interests, don't they? <laughs> yes. So, but you're also really uh, a really well-versed um, classical educator, and you're getting your master's in classical classical studies, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. So right in you, that. You what? I'm right in the middle of that. You're right in the middle of it. <laughs> so how how have you married that in your homeschool? How have you? How have you done those deep dives into things that classical education kind of requires and still let your kids really have the time and energy and the resources to dive deep into things that really delight them? I think there's a couple of things. Um, one is when you really understand the classical method, it's, it's simple. Um, and there, there's a simplicity to it that leaves a lot of room for other studies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of like taking the piano. Uh, I think we can all relate, even if we've never taken piano or if you take any instrument at all. What you have to do is day by day, incrementally practice and you apply yourself to it. And classical methodology has a lot of that incremental day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, we are learning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you've, even in scripture, step by step, precept by precept, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all along the way. And um, so with the classical method, there is a lot of integral step, just integrated steps. We're just, we're taking this um, moment by moment and we're consistently um, learning. And like with piano, my children would not have gone very far if they tried to cram their practice in an hour before their lesson or the morning before their lesson. A teacher can tell when that's what you're doing. Whereas if you're doing just 10 minutes a day, mm-hmm. 
you are going to grow. So if you can't dedicate an hour a day, you can only dedicate 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day over the course of 18 years, suddenly you are doing a lot better than someone who was simply cramming right. for a few years and then gave it up. And so with the simplicity of, of classical, it, it really is about incremental focused learning, teaching our children to attend, to be observant and to study that their minds, no matter how, um, how they learn, they can learn. And we just need to help them discover that. And so because there is simplicity and focus within the classical methodology, it leaves us room to find those things that truly delight our students. Mm -hmm. But second of all, I think part of finding what delights our students is as a homeschooling parent, recognizing that my attitude is well, we've all heard the whole thing like we're the the we're the whatever it is, the thermostat in the room. And so if I'm hot, the kids are hot. If I'm cold, the kids are cold. And especially when they're younger. So if I if I have tension in my face, in my voice, in my demeanor when I pull out the math book or when I pull out Shakespeare or even if I pull out the Bible, um my kids are going to pick up on that. And that is not going to be delightful for them. And it's not going to be delightful for me. So I need to also be careful about what I delight in. And if all my delight is found in things that have nothing to do with our school hours, and I'm tense and I'm frustrated, and um, anything school-related or academically related is just full of tension, um, the children aren't going to, they're just not going to want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's the for lack of a better term, if it's the dumbest workbook page, and for some reason that's what we've chosen to do, but I approach that workbook page with delight mm -hmm. and joy and gratitude, even if I'm faking it till I make it kind of thing, my kids are going to pick up on this is at least worth looking at. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important as a foundation to integrating classical methodology with some delight-directed learning so that... Um, as a parent, I'm approaching all of learning with a certain amount of delight so that my students have just there, they have a spectrum of possibilities open to them. I'm not closing something off to them simply because it frustrates me mm -hmm. um, or simply because I don't enjoy it or there's something else going on in my life that I'm projecting onto this subject at the time that my children don't know about and they're, they're confused by, but they do pick up on that tension. Mm -hmm. So I find that no matter what I'm studying, um, I do need to approach it with gratitude and I do need to approach it with an open mind and an open heart and a willingness to learn and connect it to all of life, my relationship with God, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I'm adding on the things that my students, my children love to do or that I would love for them to be introduced to, um, it truly comes from um, a pure place. Mm. If that makes sense, uh, mm. because it's it's not contrasting one thing against the other. I'm not. This isn't delightful because this is not delightful. Mm -hmm. It's that we can we can bring all of these things together. And I think another part of delight directed learning is knowing that it's okay to try things, and it's okay to prepare to quit things. Mm -hmm. um, knowing how to walk away. Um, and, and knowing when it's okay to walk away, knowing how to leave something well, 
knowing why <laughs> and, and leaving opportunity for that. Uh, for example, in, in our children, everyone was going to take piano lessons and everyone was going to do it until they graduated. And that was pretty much, we just prayed that the Lord would give us the funds and the finances and the teachers to keep that going. Any other instrument was as the funds and the teachers were around and you were interested, we would pursue that instrument. Mm -hmm. um, but you were going to take piano lessons. And that was, that was our home. <laughs> um, that's, I'm not projecting that on anybody else, but that was our home. We're a musical family. That was important for us to make sure that our kids had that foundation. And it may sound silly, but we'd heard way too many people say, Oh, I wish I'd taken all the way through. Oh, I wish I could blah, blah, blah. You know, and so we just thought, okay, you're not going to say that. <laughs> you yeah. will not be able to say, I wish my parents had like, we are going to make you do this. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter if you like it or not. It's just part of life. It's like eating vegetables and taking vitamins and getting fresh air. You will practice the piano. Mm -hmm. You will take your lessons. And it was not even an option. Whereas other things were optional and they didn't have to follow it all the way through. We would set a certain time, like we're going to try to for this amount of time that makes it worth like a good enough effort to see whether or not this is something you truly what to do. Um, and then if you want to pursue it on your own, fine. So they picked up all sorts of instruments, the ukulele, the ocarina, um, <laughs> guitar, uh, bass, drums, uh, cornet, um, trying to think of tin whistle. Um, that was carried around in their back pocket forever, um, several summers. And, you know, all these different little things, but they had the freedom to pick it up and and pursue it. And um, some of those are still played. My daughter still plays. Um, she picks up the tin whistle for fun every now and then just to, yeah, because it's not the piano. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she plays bass. Um, and sometimes she plays bass more often at church than she plays piano. Mm -hmm. um, and then my other son took piano all the way through, also took some other instruments, got scholarships with piano and now he's in his gap year before med school and he has not touched that instrument. He's like, I am done. And that's fine with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Um, and then my second one loves to play the drums or the piano or whatever instrument. He's the ukulele guy and the tin whistle. And he just, he's just like, I love being able to pick up anything mm -hmm. and just, you know, you know, and he's not an expert, but he did. He's the one kid that texted me and I saved this text. You were right. I'm so glad I followed through with piano. Now he's the one that, um, follow through. I'm putting up quotation marks here. Uh, follow through meant mama made him sit down and practice at least 10 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Um, this wasn't something that he a lot of times wanted to do. And then he would, then he would want to, and he'd want to play what he wanted to play and not what this teacher said to play. Uh -huh. But, um, it, it served him well. And so, yeah, I have this text that proves he's grateful. <laughs> well, and I think part of what you're illustrating is that with the piano, you're giving them a quote unquote classical foundation of music understanding. Yes. So they can pick up any instrument. They can sing, they can read music, they can write music, they can interact musically. And that's the foundation that you gave them very intentionally. Yes. And now they can use that for delight, directly studies or not. But I want to go back to something you said um, about understanding the classical method. And that is that it's great for, you know, for all kids, no matter what their learning style, that it's really a way for us as parents to help um, us discover how our kids learn best. And I think with classical education, a lot of times people are really concerned that it's only for the smart kids. 
And uh, what I found in, in my life is that it's really more a methodology of understanding the world. It's not really for the smart kids or the dumb kids or the uninterested or the interested kids. It's really tools and skills that you can learn and that you can teach your kids about how to approach studying pretty much anything. Would you agree with that or what? what I completely agree with that. And a resource that I highly recommend to anybody who is interested in the classical method and um, has kids with special needs or wonders how this fits with kids that that you feel like maybe don't have that bend towards that sort of learning style is Simply um, Simply Classical by Cheryl Swope. Mm -hmm. That's S-W-O-P-E. Simply Classical just is so eye-opening to that you can pace this for any child. For example, um, one of the things our family does is these, these races and marathons and 5Ks and stuff like that. I don't, so I'll just throw that out there that before you start thinking that like we've reached some pinnacle of development that nobody else can, um, I hold the you go card at the side of the road. Um, and so everybody else has fun running at their pace. But here's the deal. When you are in a race, um, there are elite runners and they are at the front of the race and they're going to win the race. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it is. Everybody gets a medal. Everybody that finishes gets a medal. And what you do is you put yourself, because you know your pace, mm-hmm. you put yourself at the pace setter. So somebody is there holding a sign that's like, I'm a nine minute mile, I'm a 12 minute mile, I'm a six minute mile. And you put yourself next to that person who's holding that card up and that's your pace setter and you run with that person for the race because you know that's the pace you can run. And so if I've got a child who is a 12 minute mile, they can still finish the race. It just takes longer. analogy. I love that. I swam in high school on a team all through high school and I was never the fastest or the second fastest, but I finished every race. So I always got like the long races and the, the IMs because nobody else wanted to swim those because I always put a point on the board and I never put like all four points on the board because I never came in first, but I always finished. And I think that's an important life lesson for all of us to learn is that you know, you can really enjoy something and really take great delight in it. I loved to swim. And I was actually pretty good at it, but I was never an elite swimmer. <laughs> I just finished. <laughs> and that's such a great life skill too, because it, it talks about work ethic, like you're, you're finishing. And that's, I, we did a review on the Cheryl Swope book. Um, Swope, is it Swope? Cheryl Swope. Classical. I think so. I don't know. Um, just in, and I think she really gets a hold of that concept too, is that sometimes we just need to teach our kids that, and I said, just need to teach our kids to finish the race, but there's so much value in finishing the race and doing it at your pace. Um, Cause if you get off pace, like any athlete knows, if you get off your pace, you're going to, you're going to trip more. You're not, you're going to lose your rhythm and you're going to really struggle through that race. If you get into your stride and do your pace, you're going to go farther faster. So great, great analogy. I didn't know that about the running world. I'm not a runner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not either. I learned it by being the person that's standing, looking at all the face cards. (laughs) And by hearing my husband constantly like, I need to get to the nine minute. I need to get to the nine minute. And if that is encouraging to anybody, nine minute mile. And my husband's an Ironman. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's about knowing your pace. What can you do 
to stay healthy and finish well. And so he's not the He's not the best. He didn't enter it to be the fastest. He entered it to finish. Right. Yeah. I love, I, I think it's in Thessalonians, at the end, be found standing. That's like, yes. that's like one of my life verses. At the end, I just want to be found standing. And that implies we're going to trip a lot and fall down because, you know, at the end, be upright. <laughs> but I think that's, that's just a, I, I just want to encourage anybody who's intimidated by classical that, it's, it doesn't have to be this super hard, like only elite athlete kind of thing. It's really fundamental, basic tools of education and learning. And um, at Chimorak, we don't say that we're a classical school because I think that intimidates people. But at Chimorak, what we do do is try to really resource our kids and our students with solid academic skills and tools so that they can finish the race and be found standing at the end. Great analogy. I loved also what you said about the fact that it's okay to try things and to quit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you um, don't have to finish everything to the nth degree. I mean, you can just try it for a season. That's so yes. much freedom right there. <laughs> so much freedom. I think too much in our current society, not only are we too busy, but we are too focused on becoming an expert. Yes. Yeah. We, you do not have to be an expert at anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you could choose that and that's a lovely thing to choose. Um, but the, you can try things and just enjoy them and do them for fun. So let's say, and, and this gives us a lot of freedom to just be people, to just be human. So if we want to take up nature study, which everyone should take up some nature study and be able to go out in nature and name a few things. But I think sometimes we get tripped up by that because we're like, oh my goodness. I can't do the water cuddle journaling and I don't know all the names of all the things. And so, oh, we failed at nature study. No, yeah. going out there and actually doing it and writing a few things down, that is succeeding at nature study. Are you an expert? No, don't claim to be, yeah. but are you learning? Are you doing it? Yes, that's worthwhile. It's worth doing. Um, for example, uh, my kids, a couple of my kids took fencing it, for those of you that, might not know fencing is is playing around with um fake swords with padded gear um it's not building fences although we have done some of that too in our garden <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> so but when we got into fencing we got into it because of course we're nerds and um and it was there's a fencing club i mean who knew the des moines has a fencing club we have this amazing fencing club and we're just like yes let's try this um, one kid really wanted to do archery, but there was no archery club at the time, but there's this fencing club. So we get our foils, we get our gear and we go over there and they enjoyed it enough to grow through one set of equipment. Mm -hmm. And again, as the Lord provided, we had another homeschool family or two that were doing this. And so we got their hand-me-down gear and my husband just dropped off our gear at the fencing club yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, he's like, we're done. We don't need this anymore. Um, but we never got into that to become experts. Now, if they somehow decided that this wanted to be their life goal and they wanted to be in the Olympics, we would have prayed about whether or not we could invest in that. Um, but no, it wasn't, it was just for fun. It was just to experience it. And, and they can say, yeah, we did fencing, you know, <laughs> we're homeschooled and we did fencing. I think too, I mean, part of my philosophy of junior high and high school, particularly as your kids get a little bit older, is that Really, and, and even elementary school, we really want to give them a broad understanding of the world, which means a lot of 
activities and field trips and just experiencing. I was raised by a mom who we, we went to public school. She was a school teacher, but she was kind of like the quintessential homeschool mom where her kids went to school. So every vacation was like to factories and we went camping every month with Girl Scouts and earned all the badges in the book, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think through that, you know, I just realized that there's so much to the world because she, she brought it to us. So we went to it, like we went to national parks and a glass blowing factory in the same week, you know? And so I think just giving our kids this broad overview of how big the world is and how many people are in it and all the different things that they do can really open up their, their eyes and minds to what God's calling them to. And if we, if we have a smaller world, it just maybe not, might not spark their interest in ways that, that providing that, those kind of activities and resources can. Right. I think, I guess, think of it as something like, you know, creating your own Girl Scout program without the badges and stuff, but just things like having those badges forced you because you were earning them. It forced you to go out and do all these different things, all these different activities, all these different kinds of exposures. And because you were getting a badge, um, you did it well. Yeah. You were doing it to actually complete something. And so I do want to add the, the caveat that, um, when we were in fencing, when we were in wrestling, when we were in these different clubs and different things, we were in it to win it. And I mean that not like to actually win the prize, but like we did our best. Yes. But we knew so that, you know, we weren't just in there like messing around and ha we're just trying this and bringing the whole club down kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No, we were in, we were involved, we were engaged, we were committed, mm-hmm. showing up and doing our part. But we knew this is probably not our end goal. We're not going to do this for our entire lives kind of thing. Um, so it's just when you are going to be in something, be in it, you know, participate, fully be there, fully be present. Um, I think, and that's part of teaching our kids how to try things and how to step away is that when they were there, they were doing it. They were trying it. They were involved um, because I think sometimes we err on the side of, okay, so if we're not going to be experts, then it's just, you know, it's for fun and it and and that's that's actually that might be fun for my child but that's not fun for the other children that are in it to do well and need someone like in a, in a race elite runners need other elite runners yeah. it's no fun for them if everyone in the race is just an age grouper or someone who's just doing it for a fun run mm-hmm. because that doesn't help them they're so far outpacing everybody it doesn't give them that iron sharpening iron so they need people that are engaged and focused and doing it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Don't just join and, and then throw it all to the wind. Yeah, exactly. So Tamara, you've, you've been classically educating your kids for a very long time. Now you're in this classical studies program. What are two or three tools or skills that are, that would be thought of as traditionally classical that you really rely on? Um, well, I think one is that the classical tradition is very integrated. Uh, it's very holistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're taking one thing, like Latin, you're focusing on it. But you're also learning art and history and music and theology, um, grammar, logic, <laughs> just in taking Latin. And, and, and part of the classical method is recognizing that that all of this is connected. And so we're not isolating things into compartments. Um, and there, and that also helps to bring the delight in because say Latin is hard, which it is. Um, 
and it's a struggle for me to focus on it for the half an hour I need to focus to get certain things in my brain. Knowing that I am connected to my church through this, that I'm connected to history, that I'm connected to the government of my country, that I'm connected to beautiful art and mosaics and poetry and all these wonderful things mm. um, is pretty incredible. And so that alone can kind of keep me going through my studies. But if all I think it is, it's just Latin for the sake of Latin and my mom's making me do this, that is that is not fun, especially if mom doesn't like it and mom doesn't know that about it. If she's just thinking she has to do it because that somebody told her, your kids are supposed to learn Latin. That's yeah. horrible. Um, so the integrated part of it, I think, is huge because that carries from the youngest age all the way through life. Mm-hmm. Um, another tool, and this might grate some people, I apologize. Another tool is um, training my brain to retain information mm-hmm. because my brain can retain information. Um, so... Again, this is one of those pacing things. I have children across the spectrum on this. I only have three, but I have one who can almost look at something and remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he still had to put work in. Uh, his way of memorizing was by um, looking at it and then playing Legos and saying it to himself. I could catch him in his room just saying it to himself. So he needed kind of a quiet atmosphere where he could focus. Mm-hmm. Then when he was quoting to me, um, I would have to follow him around the house or around the yard because he would be quoting while he's walking. And I'm just <laughs> so, he's almost like, you know, Socrates and, <laughs> you know, walking with people. But I'm just listening. I'm holding the Bible or I'm holding the book. And he's just quoting to me. Um, my, my, my another one of my children would memorize um, with constant interaction. So I would have to devote time to helping him. I would say it. He would say it. I would say it. He would say it. And he usually would have to be bouncing on something. So in the winter, it was this giant yoga ball and he would be bouncing on it. In the summer, it was an in-ground trampoline that he was jumping on. Yeah. Um, so he was just kind of jumper too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And, then, and we still have. Um, I have. An, I have this nubbly pad thing, um, and it's actually under my feet right now. But he could put that on a chair and sit on it, or he would be on this little nubbly or the the balancing board, those kinds of things. Um, and that's that's how he would learn. Um, and then my daughter, it would just be, oh, and he would learn through stories. Oh, for goodness sakes. When we're memorizing a timeline, I had to literally make up not the stories of the timeline because he understood those, but like connecting the words. A mnemonic story. Mnemonic devices, yeah. mnemonic story. Yeah. <laughs> so make up one of those things for me. And I'm like, you're 18. You can do this <laughs> now. <laughs> but no. So, um. But he, he would learn it and he would retain it. Um, and then my, my last one, she really struggles with memory. In fact, she's 19 and we went in, um, she got, went through a four hour battery of tests yesterday to mm-hmm. look at some of her memory issues because she really struggles. So she did have a few knocks on the noggin. Um, so we're not sure if that loosened anything and is part of what's making it difficult. Um, but, uh, she, to say, with her struggles, okay, so we would have to storyboard stuff out. We would have to review over and over, same things, for goodness sakes, over. And it would be so frustrating to her. She's like, I should know my notes by now. Mm-hmm. I should know this verse by now. I should know this poem by now. And and she 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 knew it yesterday, but it was gone the next day. Mm-hmm. And we would redo it. We'd re- redo all the things. Um, and and for And for her, eventually things would stick. For her, it was really difficult to do anything word for word. It would be more concept. Yeah. Um, but you know, you learn that about your kids and that's all my explanation of how my different, my kids did the memory work differently was that trial and error. The, 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 
the goal of memorizing something is what forced us to recognize how we learn. Mm-hmm. And now my kids know at, in college, this is how I train my brain to retain. So one studying to be a surgeon. Well, he's the one that could look at something and memorize it. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he would force his brain into that sort of mm-hmm. career because he, he that's what he can do. And rigor. Um, I mean, and rigor, right. That just like forcing himself to do all that and creating new systems of memorization, new systems of learning. Um, and, and, um, the other one going into communications. And then my, my youngest now, they each of them got academic scholarships, got talent scholarships. Um, so their struggles in learning did not hold them back as far as their future because they're learning how they learn. And and that was part of it. It's not just saying, well, you can't learn this way, so you can't learn. That's that's not the way it is. It's yeah. you can learn, but we have to figure out how and at what pace. Mm-hmm. And so it takes you longer or it takes you shorter. Um, but that that was part of that's one of the tools. The other the final tool that I would say that I absolutely love is um and this isn't strictly classical, this is Dorothy Sayers layering onto the classical method. <laughs> so Dorothy Sayers layered the idea of um, adding the psychology of learning um, mm-hmm. to the, the classical methodology. And so one of the things that she brought out in the dialectic um, was that questioning phase of development. Mm-hmm. And um, as someone who's worked in the ministry with youth, uh, I have seen that over and over. And so one of the things that I absolutely love about Dorothy's layering um, on the classical was that dialectic, the questioning, mm-hmm. teaching our kids how to question appropriately um, and that questions are welcome. And one of the things that uh, the classical method emphasizes over and over and over is that theology is the queen of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of this is founded in God and God's truth and the God's truth stands firm. God's truth is truth. Um, no matter where you find it, it's God's truth and it is truth and it stands firm. And so what I tell my kids is you question away. As long as it's in humility, you're truly seeking. You're truly, God says you seek me. You will find me if you seek me with all your heart. You question. He's, he's hidden things for us to find. And so I tell them question. Don't be afraid to, but do it in humility. Don't do it all snarky. Like you know better. And why'd you do it this way? That's not, it's, it's in humility. I want to learn. Teach me. Mm-hmm. And, um, being able to approach education without fear is a gift of the classical method <laughs> to be able to say, okay, truth is going to stand firm. We're going to learn and we're going to find truth and we're going to discover truth. And we're going to understand more about God and ourselves than we ever thought possible because we're step by step taking yeah. this all into account and the truth of the world around us can be discovered and we can learn it and we can understand it. There's so much more than we can ever learn or understand and that leads to so much more humility, mm-hmm. knowing that I can't learn it all. No matter how smart I am, there's still something out there to learn. And so that really brings it back down to, okay, so maybe I outpace my siblings, but there's no way I can outpace God. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. There's always someone smarter in the room kind of thing. Like, <laughs> even if it's just God or the Holy Spirit, like <laughs> there's I- someone smarter. I love that. When one of the things classical education did for me is that um, I'd already written a 90 page master's thesis, really without knowing the parts of speech. Literally, we moved around oh a lot as a kid. I didn't really learn grammar. And I thought I just missed the grammar gene. And I remember when I first realized that 
I just missed that. It is just a developmental stage. Like I can go back and learn grammar and what, what a delight. That's the other thing. Realizing that you can learn anything that you didn't mm-hmm. miss. Mean, you might've just missed it. You know what I mean? But it's, it just gives you so much wonder. Like I, I think grammar is just the coolest thing ever because of what it does with foreign languages and what it can do for your writing and your style and ability to communicate. Um, and, and that sounds really nerdy. Like I'm not a, I'm not, um, an editor by any means, but the joy and delight in just grammar just blows me away even now. And, and it's been like a, a 15, 20 year like thing of, oh my gosh, grammar is the coolest thing ever. But that is really, when you said that, like, it just gives you this ability to realize you can learn anything. And if you don't know it, just start at the beginning. Kids books are a great place to start with all of that. Um, yeah, and and just uh, approaching education without fear. You didn't you didn't miss a gene, <laughs> or you you probably just missed it, and you know you missed that lesson or whatever. So um, there's so much to learn in the world, and and that just to me takes us back to really having wonder about what all God has created for us to be part of and discover and join Him in the beauty of the world, the nature studies and, and grammar and all that kind of stuff. So I, I love what you said. And I have one more question. And that is, what are a couple of your favorite delight directed studies that you've done with your kids? Well, one of the things we do each break in each summer. So the way I organize my school year might be a little bit different. It's a little Charlotte Masony in that she says to go on eight weeks and then she does eight weeks. Um, well, unlike beautiful Charlotte's mamas, I don't have a nanny and I don't have downstairs help. <laughs> so, so I needed to do six weeks on and a week off, six weeks on and a week off. And then we would take an extended um, winter break. And we do take an extended break in the summer, but it's still kind of six weeks on and a week off. Um, that pace, and again, it's about pacing yourself. That pace worked for us. It worked just beautifully. Um, because that gave me like, I would do all my planning in that one week. So that one week is when I would plan my menus for those six weeks. It was when I would kind of reevaluate where we were with our homeschooling. Um, maybe there was some curriculum that needed to be slowed down, some that needed to be sped up, some that needed to be kind of cast along the wayside and given to a friend. Um, some that got just put away for a later time because maybe, and this was typical with me, I, I overplanned. I put too much in there and I realized, nah, this is too much. Um, and that week also, what it did is it uh, relieved anxiety in my children because they knew we would push forward for six weeks mm-hmm. and then we would have a week where we would reevaluate and we could have conversations about the pacing and um, they could catch up. So if we had tournaments or we had some thing that we had to focus on. It's like, oh, it's okay. We've got that week of break. So it wasn't a vacation. Yeah. I didn't fill that week with a trip to grandma's or something like that. That would be separate. Yeah. <laughs> um, that week was kind of a planning and catch up week. So it was still structured as far as our routines. We did our daily routines. My kids needed routine. Um, but there, what we did within that routine um, as far as our study hours would be a little bit different. And well, how we would choose that was more delight directed. And that's where we um, had personal goals. And that sounds kind of scary, 
but it really wasn't because kids love these kinds of things. <laughs> so um, usually right around um, during that, that holiday break in the winter is when we would do a thing called um, dream boards. Oh, yeah. Forget what they're really called. But I'm just going to call it that for now, vision boards, <laughs> um, where we would throw out all the magazines and words and things like that. And the kids, we would all sit as a family. Everyone would get a big, giant piece of poster board and glue sticks and scissors and all. And we would just cut out stuff that interested us and make these vision boards. And we'd stick it all in or stick it on pieces of paper. And of course, sometimes they needed help because they were younger. But it's, that would be a great way for them to discover what they're interested in. But it was also a great way for me um, and my husband to see what they were gravitating towards. Mm. And um, from that, we would actually create SMART goals. So we would look at that and create SMART goals, which would be, depending on how you do SMART, it'd be like specific, measurable, uh, accountable, realistic, and timely. And so those, but those were delight directed. So those weren't like, if you don't learn how to make sushi by July 30th, we have failed our summer. That <laughs> That's not the way it went. <laughs> so, um, but... And it, the fun thing for that, though, was then I made one and my husband made one. And so it was in those kinds of things that we discovered my husband really wanted to, to explore triathlons. And that's where we discovered that I really wanted to garden more. And I wanted, you know, and so for each of us, we would discover those things and we could support one another. And so when, you know, Warner was like, I really want to do the Rubik's Cube. And we would think, what? But it's like, it's eight bucks. Let's go get your Rubik's Cube. Um, and when they each had these little things, it's then we would support that and we would encourage that. And that would be something that's in that delight directed part. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, and we talked about this in one of our conversations a lot, um, several, like a year ago, I think. Um, I would also look at that fourfold using um, Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So I would look at that as your spiritual, your physical, your social, mm-hmm. and your intellectual. And so during those break times, I was always kind of looking at, am I hitting those four? Um, are we consistently hitting? Um, so in, and, and so I would also be questioning my kids as they're making vision boards. It's like, are we, you know, are you looking for these? Um, not that you had to, but it's just like, are those, are those all on there? You know, what do you want to do at church or what do you want to do with your Bible reading? Um, kind of looking at that. Um, so that we, we made sure that we were kind of thinking about our whole self. Not just, you know, I want to become healthy by eating more nutritious foods. And that's the only thing on the vision board. Right. Um, it just gave me a way to support them in their learning in all of those components. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope that answers the question. That's a great answer. You answered it generally, not specifically. Um, <laughs> was, was there any standout delight-directed learning, like an event or activity that you did? Well, I think, um, and I'll, I'll talk about with the Rubik's Cube. So um, my middle son is the one that is very active and has to just bounce and run and travel and do all sorts of fun things all the time. And for him, uh, you might think this is counterintuitive, but he's the one that needed the most routine. Mm-hmm. He thrived on routine because you would think he's bouncing. and other. No, that routine actually relieved anxiety in his life because that gave him something to count on. Not a schedule like at 8 p.m. or at this. Um, he did appreciate that as well, but it was more like this comes after this and this comes after that. He was always, what's next? What's next? What's next? And, um, and so for him, actually having set a goal or an intention, um, was he, he's, and he'll, he's 21 now. He'll say, I, I know what I want to do next. It's like he, 
Wow. He knows. He's always thinking of that next thing. And for me to be on board with that also helped me as a parent to not be like, what's he going to get into next? It was because one of the parenting things we learned early on was try to always say yes, like have a reason if you have to say no, which means you have to be proactive as a parent. It's called get off the couch parenting yeah. and um, highly involved. Um, it's like the biggest weight loss program out there um, because <laughs> you have to, like, it's just, you're constantly running after, it's not child centered. Let's not put it that way, but it's just like, I'm involved. And, right. and that is actually delightful because I'm really learning who they are and what they're interested in. But for him, one of the things he said was this Rubik's cube, which seemed not like really, okay. I, he wants to learn Rubik's cube. So we get a Rubik's cube and he starts watching videos on how to do it and he starts memorizing the algorithms. And before you know it, wow, <laughs> to everyone's surprise, um, he can do a Rubik's cube. So then his, and that, and that was like in record time, he masters solving a Rubik's cube. And so he's like, well, I guess I have the rest of the summer ahead of me. So maybe I need to just work on my time. So he's going to get it under a minute. Okay. It's under a minute. Now he wants to get it under 30 seconds. He gets it under 30 seconds. He has learned how to take this thing apart, how to grease it. What grease is the best grease? He is saving up his money to get the best grease and to get different Rubik's cubes. He you is demonstrating this. Rubik's cube. <laughs> so his whole summer and it's his sister is being really annoyed because she has sensory issues and this constant flipping. Yeah. So he's trying to figure out how to make it quieter. He's bringing it with him everywhere he goes. In church, I catch him, you know, flipping. And I'm like, you know, it's yeah. about Jesus, not the Rubik's Cube right now. Yeah. And that's annoying, you know, <laughs> but it's just, it was his thing. Mm -hmm. And, and to this day, it's, he just, he'll be walking around the house flipping a cube and it's just like a fidget for him, but it's, it's just this relaxing, wonderful thing for him. And, um, that's just one big delight directed. Um, my other one, it was Lego kits and, um, origami. Mm -hmm the constant origami, they all got into kanji for a time. And so they were just drawing their um, characters. Um, for one, it's been Gaelic and she just loves um, the whole idea of it and um, fairy tales. So constantly on the lookout for new um, ethnic fairy tales. So fairy tales from different cultures and ethnicities um, how they how they tell you know Cinderella how they tell the different stories she just loves having a great collection of myths and legends and fairy tales mm -hmm. but see those kinds of things as they grow older begin to make sense because one wants to be a surgeon so origami yeah Legos all those intricate details it makes sense his ability to focus on that for hours mm -hmm. the middle one always need to know the next thing and things like a Rubik's cube he's the one that will um, he's the one that said thank you for the piano lessons, but he's also the one that called me one day. He was doing dent repair um, as a summer job last summer during the pandemic because <laughs> it was work. He got laid off from his um, office job because they closed the office and he picked again. Next thing he's he was on it. He's got a new job. So he's traveling throughout the United States doing dent repair wherever there's hailstorms. And he calls me and he says, you know, um, I'm really grateful for my education. Like his words, I'm grateful for my education, the way you taught me to learn, because I see things differently than other people. Wow. He said, we're here and this car lot is disorganized. And he said, because I know how to look at it logically. And this kid did not excel at logic. Okay. He can do the Rubik's cube in under 30 seconds, but 
give him a logic textbook and that was a trial and a tribulation. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I can look at this and I can see how this needs to be reorganized for efficiency. And he said, I did it. And he said, because I know how to talk to people, he's like, I'm the youngest person here. He's like, but they listened to me and they did it. And we are making more money and getting done faster because they make money per car. Yeah. And they're getting it done. And he's just like, it was that easy. He's like, I just saw it. I just knew. Yeah. And he credited that to his, his classical education. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm just crying on the phone, but it's like, first. oh my goodness. You know, thank you. It thank you. Thing where it's like on the chariots of fire when the main character is going, I feel God's grace when I'm running. And it's something different for everybody. But just listening to that story, like he just saw, like in that moment, he was doing what God had called him to do. And it just was so natural. And uh, yeah, and you've trained him to walk in the calling that he has, which is really, what a great gift. It is. And the calling, that's the, the calling, your vocation is such a huge word. And with the classical methodology, that's a big thing because your vocation and your calling is not necessarily what you do to earn money. Yeah. Yeah. It's who God created you to be and in how you live out who he created you to be in any given circumstance. So the scripture says, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might as service unto the Lord. And so whether that's dent repair or surgery or painting a picture or explaining to a special needs child how to read, um, with the classical method, it embraces the idea that this is our calling and we do it to the best of our ability as unto the Lord. And 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 the idea is to educate our children so that they can do that, that they feel equipped in whatever situation they are in. They feel like God is with me in this moment and I can conquer this mm-hmm. because he has made my brain to learn and he has made my voice to communicate and made my hands to do things and I can do this. And they can walk in that truth and in that confidence, but also in that humility that, okay, this is something I don't know how to do. I can learn it, but I don't know it. Who can teach me? And so they walk around in humility with open hands saying, who's, who can teach me? Mm-hmm. And because they've been taught to question and to find truth, they know who to trust yeah. in asking for the right teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of those things right there have been so instrumental in, in, in training my own children. And, and, and because they've been taught to question and converse, we still have conversations all the time, which is the, the most wonderful thing for me is to have a kid call me to, just talk about choosing shorts at a store or, you know, saying, Hey mom, thanks for the piano lessons. Yeah. <laughs> or thanks for, thanks for teaching me because I can look at this car lot and put it together. Yeah. I mean, what a, what, a, what a sweet testimony. I mean, that is like, wow, you should frame that. <laughs> it's I saved it. Well, I, it was a conversation, but um, I did, I did write that one down. Yeah. Really beautiful. Tamara, it's always delightful to talk to you. You guys are going to have extensive show notes, um, lots of resources that you've shared with us and Bible quotes and a couple books, and those will be in the show notes. But if you have any questions about classical education or would like to talk to Tamara more, you can find us over at the True North Home School Facebook page or the True North Home School Facebook tribe group. Um, and you can always email or call us. The contact information is listed on the website. Tamara, thanks so much for joining me today. 
And um, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Thank you. We're so honored that you're listening and that you share this podcast, Life Skills 101 with your friends and family. Every time you share the show and post about it, it really makes our day. Make sure you subscribe and download this podcast so that you never miss an episode. You can subscribe so that you get alerted to each and every show. Leave a review for this podcast, Life Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. We're so honored that you're listening. Until next time, this is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy. We'll talk to you soon.